What is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is a special episode of Dumb Bleep of the Year. This is one of our recap episodes for the uh, the voting for Dumb Bleep of the Year. So we're going to be covering each month, and then the winners of each month will go into a quarterly semifinal, and then we'll bring that into the final four. And of course, the live group, the Fed Haters Club, will be voting on what's going to win Dumb Bleep of the Year. The winner will get a trophy that says that they won Dumb Bleep of the Year. And the person who submitted that specific Dumb Bleep in the live group, or it could be on Twitter, or it could just be me, will get a trophy to put on their mantle at home. So let's get in to Dumb Bleep of the Year. I do believe we have a number nine, and it's from some lady I've never heard of before. Uh, let me see if I can pronounce her name. Nina <laughs> Turner. Yeah. Lanina Turner. Lanina. Yeah. Okay. This oh, is... it's Nina Turner. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, screenshot of an article. Charlie, would you? what would you say this is? All right. The article um, says, the headline, Denver experimented with giving people $1,000 a month. It reduced homelessness and increased full-time employment, a study found. To which Nina posted the screenshot and said, the solution to poverty is money. Simple. So simple. It's simple. You just give people money. It's simple. I can't believe we haven't figured this out before. We should just print money and give it to people, and then there so won't be any more poverty. Simple. <laughs> so there's a... There's a lot of different ways we can tackle this one. She could um, have written that better, by the way. The solution to pro- poverty is simple. Mm-hmm. Money. It's money. Yeah. You but should write her tweets. I should. You should actually. call her up. Send her a message I, over there. You know, it must be nice to think this way. Mm-hmm. You know? You, to walk around, you know, not a care in the world, probably. I bet she sleeps just fine at night. Look at that smile. She's got her face. Mm-hmm. You know? Smug. Just walking around being like, oh, the solution to hunger is easy, food. Mm -hmm. You just got to eat something. It's like one of those friends when you're trying to tell them about a problem. (laughs) And they're like, oh, just stop thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple. You should stop that. Just stop thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, you're hungry? You should should eat something. You should eat some food. Yeah. That's what you should do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll just give you some food. So I went through this, by the way. Like, oh, you're tired? You just sleep more. There. It's it's simple. Solution to the problem. Why are, are you, we overthinking all of this? Are you sad? Stuff? Have you tried being happy? Right. It's the opposite of sad. Mm-hmm. And it turns out if you're happy, then you're not sad. Yeah. And so what we need is more happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So in this study, Denver experimenting with giving people a thousand dollars a month. They also experimented with giving people a larger lump sum payment and then giving them like fifty bucks a month. It reduced homelessness and increased full time employment. Now this is one of those tests test markets. So how many people did they give a thousand dollars to? The answer is about 160. And actually I will just tell you some of the stuff. Um, when they talk about homeless people, now when you imagine people who are homeless and fixing the homelessness problem, Charlie, what would you imagine? Like the, are these people that are, that are just house insecure? (laughs) They're home insecure. Yeah, that's what it is. They're not actually homeless. They're home insecure. By the way, they excluded from this category um, 
that these people could not have severe and unaddressed mental health or substance use needs. So no drug addicts and no one with any mental problems. Mm. And so they're not going after that category of homeless people, which is, I would argue, is a rather large part of the category of homeless people. And then experiencing homelessness as defined by the DBIP, they have an intentionally broad definition of homelessness. And so these people... Home insecurity. <laughs> yeah, these people could be living in a motel or a hotel, either one, a camping ground. They could be living in a camping ground due to lack of alternative accommodations, or they could be sharing a house with a friend or a loved one due to a loss, loss of housing or economic hardship or a similar reason. And then living in a car, a park or a public space, abandoned buildings, stuff like that. Then you get down to more people, but they can't be on drugs and they can't have any mental problems. Mm. So did they pick a rather uh, easy group of people to try and help? I kind of think that they did. 260 people is what they randomly assigned $1,000. They only got, I think, 154 people at, at the six-month checkup for this on the $1,000 a month thing. And by the way, of the, of the people in that group for $1,000, only 6% of them were homeless people, you know, like living outside on the streets. <laughs> only 6% of them. Yeah. So like nine people mm. uh, were homeless living on the street. Maybe not nine. It's not even nine. I don't know. It's seven people, eight, seven people were uh, people that were homeless living on the street. Okay. But those seven people in that group are no longer living on the street at the six-month checkup mark, which is where we're at right now in this current study. And about a third of the whole group found some type of a place to live, like an apartment or a house, something like that. So like 50 people that they found after six months of giving them $1,000, mm. which I know immediately alarm bells went off. You can't get a place to live for $1,000. That's not possible. Mm -mm. What are you talking about? How did a third of the group in a major metropolitan city find a place to live for $1,000 a month when they weren't living there in the first place? I guess, I don't know. They rent in a closet? I'm not sure where they're staying right now because I heard you can't get anything for like less than 2500 you know? And when they found a place to live, did it, did it meet, did it have to be above the homelessness standards? I guess it can't be in a, you can't stay at like an extended stay motel or anything. It's got to be renting a house. Yeah. Or a, an apartment, you something like that. You couldn't move in with a friend and split rent, could you? Because that would qualify no, as homelessness. living with someone because of economic hardship qualifies as homelessness mm, in this okay. category, yeah. So first off, you can attack the study and say, okay, this is a very small group of people. And it was done with a donation. Like, a, I think it was a $2 million donation. And so it's, they're testing it out with a very low amount of people. And so, of course, on a very small scale... With a $2 million donation, not taxed away from the people's paychecks that also live in the same city as you, uh, when you give people $1,000 a month, and they're people who aren't on drugs, and they don't have mental problems, turns out they could then turn around and use that $1,000 to pay for some kind of rent in an apartment, something like that. Magic. Mm. Okay? The, that does not, however, mean that you can do that on a large scale, because then you would run into inflation. You got to take the money from somewhere. It's not all just going to be donated. So then you're giving everyone a thousand bucks a month. And then everyone has a thousand more dollars to spend on something. And then it's the summer of 2021 all over again. You know, mm. then you run back into inflation. You get UBI or whatever. And so 
The solution is not all that simple. But individuals, I bet if you gave someone a thousand bucks a month, Charlie, and they were on the street and they weren't on drugs and they weren't, they didn't have any kind of mental problem going on. If you gave them a thousand bucks, they would probably take that and not live on the street anymore. But the idea that we can do this across the entire country is really dumb. Especially by the government, with the government. Yes. Because yeah. then they got to take people, they take money from people, mm-hmm. you know, and then put it back in, in other people's pockets. No. It's not going to work. Okay. It's not, yeah. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with, uh, I don't know. Uh, Let's move on to something even more important than the last one. NBC News posts out, posts out California's newly enacted Ebony Alert law is the first of its kind in the nation to prioritize the search for black youth gone missing. The Ebony Alert to find missing black children in California. Governor Newsom signed the bill into law on Sunday, making California the first state to create a segregated alert notification system. That's not what they said, but that's what I said. Similar to an Amber Alert, but Amber is white, and we have to go after black people when they are missing to address the crisis of missing black children and young women. The law, which will go into effect on Jan 1, will allow the California Highway Patrol to activate the alert upon request from local law enforcement when a black youth goes missing in the area. The Ebony Alert will utilize electronic highway signs and encourage use of radio, TV, social media, and other alert systems to spread information about the missing person's alert. The Ebony Alert will be used for missing black people aged 12 to 25. (sighs) What? Okay. Two things. Really dumb idea. First off, given the principle of the matter, the principle is that when people see Amber Alerts or when they see that there is a black person missing, they don't care as much as when a white person cares. And now you just put a filter on it for them. Like if that's your idea, if that's the thing that they don't pay attention to this, um, you just put a filter on the alert system for them and gave them an alert that they know they don't need to pay attention to. If that is your idea, that they just don't care when a black person goes missing. All right. Number two, these alerts, like Amber Alerts, don't even... Who who got an Amber Alert? And they're like, oh, yeah, I saw the alert on my phone. The girl was right there. Called them in. Now we found her. That's happened probably like two times ever in the world. What I want to know is, can we make like a completely segregated alert system? Would that be okay? Can we make a Caucasian alert? Or a, what you call, I mean, the Asian alert, I think would be a good thing. Starting to sound kind of weird. The thing is, he knows that this is just him playing to a base to make sure that he can get votes or whatever so he can get support. Because it's a stupid idea that's not actually going to help find anyone, given the fact that the idea is that people don't pay attention to the alert when black people go missing. And you just told them that this is a specific missing black alert. So why are they going to pay any more attention? That makes no sense. In fact, the only reason it would matter is if black people don't pay attention to all the other alerts because there's so many white people. And now you just want to give one for for black people to be on the the lookout for. It's actually uh, reversely racist when you think about it. Come on, man. Carolina Care. This is an email that someone got. And I saw this posted out by that Felix Ammunition page that's always trolling pretty good. So I did have to go in and make sure this is real, but... Carolina Care Access for Young Adult Dependents Age 12 to 17. 
So here's the subject of the email. Access to your child's Carolina Care account will change November 1st. Dear parent or legal guardian, we wanted to let you know about an upcoming change to your Carolina Care account that will take effect on November 1st, 2023. Starting November 1st, 2023, you will no longer be able to have access to prescription information for your children between the ages of 12 and 17. If your child has not yet turned 12, this change will take effect on their 12th birthday. This change is to protect the privacy of your child's prescription records. It allows minors to receive prescription medication for sensitive issues as permitted by law without worrying about how their parents may react. So now the, the new age of adulthood is 12. <laughs> I guess that's... That's the age that the government takes ownership of you, I guess. Yeah. Is that 12? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I went in to make sure this was real because it seemed very <laughs> highly ridiculous. And um, oh, they can get, they can get Zanny bars. Mm -hmm. They can get Adderall. No, nope. they can get birth control. Anything. It's fine. Whatever, you, whatever you want. You just don't want the parents to get mad about it. It's crazy yeah. parents. Hormone yeah. blockers. Uh, it's a real thing, by the way. Beginning number first, children. Gender fluids. <laughs> IV. Gender fluids straight up the arm. <laughs> That's good. That was really good. You got to join the live group, Fed Haters Club. Go to joingml.com. Okay. It's only six bucks a month. Uh, children aged 12 to 17 will need to create a new account. On the Carolina Care website. So now, Carolina Care is that just the Medicaid for, for the Carolina, like North it's Carolina? It's not just Carolina because the reason they say they did this is because they serve in uh, multiple states, and since different states have made this law, my guess is California. They don't name the state, uh, but that's just where my where my head went. What is Carolina um, Care? It is. Oh, I knew that that question would come up. Carolina Care is the home delivery pharmacy owned and operated by Atrium Health. This prescription oh, service is included as part of the medical benefit for teammates of their family members who enroll in the health plan since they have stuff all over the country. I guess uh, that's, they have to comply. And I didn't look to see what state they're complying with, yeah. but they say in these things right here that um, basically they're trying to protect your kid's privacy from you, the parent. They need privacy mm -hmm. from you. I don't think that we have to go into why this is so ridiculous. Uh, I think everyone, uh, every competent person who's listening right now knows how. Atrium Health. So Atrium. So this basically is then the prescription program that Atrium Healthcare provides to their employees. Okay. I, I would assume. <clears throat> and it says here that Atrium Health provides healthcare hope and healing. More than 1,400 care locations and 40 hospitals across North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Alabama. Greenbow. So is it maybe for employees that are outside of those states? I mean, did one of those states have things saying that you have to keep prescription records private from the parents after an, a child turns 12? I don't know. And I don't know... Hmm. Nah, we'll keep digging on that. Uh, regardless, I think we all agree that this is um, really dumb. It is the parents' children, just to be clear with everyone. That's how we come down on the issue. 
This is your child, not the government's child. So whatever law it is that they are complying with and whatever state it is that they're complying with, and that law needs to go immediately because it's a freaking 12-year-old, okay? And what, so what are you saying? That, they're, that You're either saying that they're an adult at that time and can keep things legally from their parents? Or you're, saying that the, or you're saying that the government takes ownership of them when they turn 12? That's what I want to know. I do know that Atrium uh, and Advocate Health uh, combined, they're now the fifth largest hospital system. And it looks like around 150,000 employees, somewhere around there. Yep. Let's clap for that, you stupid bastards. Let's get on to number eight. This is ridiculous. Um, okay. Oregon. In Oregon. Great. The great state of Oregon. Here we go. For the next five years, high school students in Oregon will not need to perform proficiency tests showing mastery of reading, writing, or math in order to graduate. And this comes as the Oregon Board of Education unanimously voted to extend a pause on the graduation requirement yesterday until 2028. They're citing inefficiency and inequity. Joelle Jones going beyond the headlines tonight to find out what this pause will mean for students. This is a controversial decision and one that's facing a lot of pushback. While some say the decision will lower state standards and cheapen an Oregon diploma, the Oregon Department of Education tells me this policy simply didn't work and disproportionately harmed students of color. For the <laughs> so you're telling me <laughs> these kids are supposed to go to school and learn something. Yeah. And they'll get a certificate saying they learned something, even if they didn't learn something. Yep. Who's learning these kids? The government. <laughs> That's who's learning them. And uh, like what? Why don't they just call it daycare? <laughs> you know, stop calling it school. Why don't we just call this racism? <laughs> it's ridiculous. You're literally saying that like, well, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but they're like, oh, you know, them damn colored kids can't learn how to read good. And so we're just going to make it to where... You don't have to do anything to graduate. Who cares? That's essentially what they're saying. They're just yeah. making it more colorful language. They're yeah. just saying it disproportionately affects people of color. No, like, that's the... what's actually racist. Yeah. Not the schoolwork. The schoolwork isn't racist. It doesn't care what color you are when you're filling out the bubbles on the test. <laughs> it, and, it doesn't care. And so if you if you keep this in place, they're doing it. I, I was reading because of the people are behind from the pandemic. And so it's unfair because so many people are doing terrible on their tests and they're behind from the pandemic. And so they need a few years to catch up basically. Mm -hmm. And it would be unfair for them to do this. So once again, there's a repercussion from shutting down schools during the pandemic. Yeah. People are going to get their diplomas. Well, and hey, don't you know, this is what happens when you get a job. You mm -hmm. know, if you're falling behind on the work you need to do, your boss will definitely give you a pass because yeah. they understand. And in fact, they'll just mark down that you did the work even, even yeah. if it's not done. Yeah. They'll, they're going to give you your bonus mm -hmm. even. In fact, they'll probably give you more of a bonus because of inequity, because of inequity. Exactly. This kind of thing is actually really frustrating. You're talking about the learning of the children and we're supposed to care about the children and more. We're supposed to care more about children than whether or not they could go by a different gender while they're in school. You know, that's not supposed to be the only thing that the people on the left are fighting for, for kids. Uh, but if you set out this, this incentive process where they don't need to pass a certain test to be able to graduate. I get it. Tests are bogus sometimes. Some people are bad test takers or whatever, whatever the excuse is that people want to make. Uh, but that's that's a thing, certainly for some people. But you lay out this incentive process 
what's going to happen? Even then the lower grades know that, well, we don't have to get them to a certain proficiency for them to be able to graduate. What's the incentive process for the school? The incentive process for the school is to continue just being a daycare center. Like that's, that's all they're going to be. That's mm-hmm. what they've turned into. If you don't pass, if you don't meet the requirements to get through a certain grade, you should get held back until you meet those requirements. And if you actually try to help the students, the parents will come to the school with a cane and threaten to beat you with it. What? That sounds made up. That sounds made up. I never yeah. heard of that before. I know. That's crazy. That's that wild. Would, that would never happen. All right, Nate. Sound them off here. The last two. I have to go, unfortunately. I, I'm and I'm the reason sorry, I'm leaving is because I hate this podcast. Hey, listen, number nine and 10 are just going to be for the live group. Okay. Oh, okay. That's how we're going to do it in the podcast. All right. I hate everyone. And that's, <laughs> that's all I got to say. And if you want to like and subscribe to the show, don't do it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Don't go to joingml.com. Uh, don't, don't even get in here, make jokes and vote. Yeah. Do less. Yeah. I want people to do nothing mm-hmm. actually. Um, so hopefully this is your last episode. Um, this is why I leave early all the time. Cause, yeah, cause you don't want to be here. I don't want to be here <laughs> every single day that I do this show. I'm just like, wow, I really hate this. You know, I hate, in fact, and it's because I don't, I, I don't actually believe in Liberty anymore. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're a socialist. Yeah. When, instead of give me Liberty or give me death, it's give Liberty death. <laughs> you know? Yeah. From, from Patrick Henraz. You know, mm-hmm. that's who I go by now. So, liberty is liberty equals death. All right. So goodbye to everyone who's not a member. Okay, bye. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out with the people who are members. Here's the ending sound. Let's clap for that, you stupid bastards.